if you strength train and it's somewhat heavy, not body weight, but heavy sort of stuff, you're going to become a faster runner. Tons of robust evidence, even marathon distances, ultra distances. Diz Runs Radio, episode 1102, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. y'all real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show today's episode is brought to you by the folks over at amino co making uh some high quality and darn right tasty uh amino acid supplements to kind of help you stay healthy stay strong get the best out of your workouts keep yourself moving forward and uh we got a little uh we got a little special 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 offer today and and let's 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 set the record straight here um because we've all heard i think we've all heard whether it's it's influencers of which please God don't don't lump me into the category of an influencer uh, between influencers other podcast ads things like that where it's like hey if you use this special code this is a deal that's only good for for my listeners I don't know if that's the deal here here's 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 the nuts and bolts here's the behind the scenes I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you this but this is the deal I was I was you know I've been working with Amino Co for a while great great product great company love love what they've got going on happy to have them on board. And uh, they're like, hey, we're doing this Black Friday special, you know, this Black Friday deal. Do you think you can release, you know, this this announcement on your episode that goes out on Black Friday? And I said, yeah, sure, I can. But here's the deal. Holiday weekend, you know, sometimes people don't listen to the, the, the podcast as much kind of through the holiday period. It might, it might be something that kind of falls behind. They catch up on it next week, and then we're missing the Black Friday deal. And uh, Jesse, my guy, said, hey, all right, well, let me, let me, let me see if I can do something for you. So this was supposed to go out just on Friday, but if you're, if you listen to this, if you're paying attention to your calendar, today's episode came out on Monday, the 21st, instead of Friday, the 25th. And they said, here, we'll just, we'll just give y'all's, y'all's listeners, give your listeners, um, the black Friday deal for the whole week. That way, you know, with the holiday travel, maybe you don't listen to this quite on time, whatever. You still have a chance to, to get in on the black Friday deal, um, through Amino company. So uh, that's, that's the setup. You've heard me talk about Amino Co before. I'm a fan, definitely a fan of the, the heel blend as a recovery kind of tool after a long run, maybe after a hard workout, although let's not kid ourselves. I'm not doing too many hard workouts these days, but after those long runs on the weekend, come home, get that coffee growing, going, add a little bit of that vanilla heel from Amino Co into, into the cup of coffee, get that little flavor, that little flavor boost, a little bit of, of vanilla flavoring with the coffee. Also getting all the amino acids to help spur recovery, speed up that process. Good for the body. All the good things. None of the bad things. Bada boom, bada bam. You can get that as well with 40% off. That's the Black Friday deal. It's good for this whole entire week from the 21st of November 2022 through the 25th of November 2022. Five days for the Black Friday sale instead of just the Black Friday sale. Um and it's real easy. All you need to do is head over to aminoco.com slash disruns. That way they know they kind of came from the podcast and use the, the standard code that I've been giving you for the last five months. Just the code is disruns, but instead of saving you 30%, it'll actually save you 40% if you place your, your order 
during this week. So aminoco.com slash disruns. Disruns at checkout. Save yourself 40%. Take advantage of the extended sale, extended Black Friday sale, as opposed to the one-day offering that uh, was was on the cards. We got you a full week. I don't know. Maybe there's some other people that got the same type of deal. I don't know, but I know that's how it happened for me. I'm not going to try to tell you that it's, it's just exclusive for us. Maybe it is. I don't know. The code's exclusive for us. Uh, but appreciate Amino Co. for saying, hey, this makes sense. Let's 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 give them a little bit of a, more of a bone than just on Friday. So hopefully, if you're up for an order or maybe you're ready to try it for the first time, get yourself some uh, some amino acid supplementation courtesy of Amino Co. So anyway, longest sponsor read ever. Apologies. Sorry. Kind of. Uh, but appreciate Amino Co.'s continued support. Appreciate y'all for continuing to support the sponsors. That certainly helps keep the lights on around here. And uh, now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, y'all. Uh, today's guest is making his third appearance on the show today. And uh, I have no no doubt that today's chat will be just as good as either or both of our first two times doing this here on the show. Uh, in addition to being, obviously, he's, he's a bit of a runner. Uh, otherwise, why would he be here? Uh, but he's also a physiotherapist that definitely specializes in working with runners. Uh, he's a fellow running podcaster, uh, fellow, I, I guess fellow, because we're both kind of new-ish to, to YouTube, kind of figuring things out on the YouTubes. And uh, he's also recently added the title of author to his uh, CV. So he's got all the things going on. Um, we run in a lot of same circles. You'll probably recognize his voice because I, I feel like we've got some overlap in our, our podcast listenership, which is which is really cool. Uh, always love to, to connect, compare notes, catch up, do all the things. And uh, we're going to do that again today with Mr. Brody Sharp. So Brody, good to good to catch up. Looking forward to, to chatting again. And, and thanks for coming back and joining us for uh, a round three on this here little podcast thing that we've got going on. I always love our conversations, so yes, excited to be back on. Well, good good deal, and, and y'all, if you enjoyed today's conversation, and if maybe this is your first time here in Brody, or, or you haven't connected with some of his his things prior to now, um, do it, first of all, because he puts really good information out there, a lot of a lot of um, just, I mean, solid, solid stuff, and nothing that I can, very often, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yep, I feel like I could say that, I would say that, yep, so, so we speak from the same playbook a lot of times, I think. Uh, but run smarter online. Run, good goodness, easy for me to say. Run smarter dot online is uh, kind of his home base. All the all the things are there uh, on Instagram. You can find him at Run Smarter Series, all one word. YouTube, like I said, he's getting into YouTube lately. Uh, at Run Smarter with Brody Sharp. That's B R O D I E S H A R P E. Run Smarter with Brody Sharp. Spoiler alert, if you just search Run Smarter in YouTube, it's going to pop right up. Run Smarter with Brody Sharp. Just click it. Pretty easy to find from there. Uh, the book, his new book that just came out recently is titled Run Smarter. He sense a theme here. Run Smarter. The podcast is Run Smarter. Uh, the show notes for today, disruns.com slash 1102 for the show notes today uh, to get you back to today's episode. If you want to go back into the archives and check out our chats from the, from the past, disruns.com slash 609 was the, our first time together. That was in 2018. Disruns.com slash 826 was our second chat. That was back in 2020. And again, today, disruns.com slash 1102. So, Brody, uh, we, we've been down this road before. And uh, anytime somebody comes back, I still ask the same question because sometimes the, the answer changes a little bit over time. Sometimes it still stays the same. Uh, but, but just to, to get us started for, for the round three, got to ask you, at this point, putting the, putting the pin in the, the calendar and in the year of our Lord, 2022, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Um, 
I think I've changed. I think the first two times I said a half marathon, but I've since um, backed off a little bit and really enjoying a a 10 to 12K. Haven't done any races since our last chat, but very, very consistent with my weekend long runs and trying to challenge myself with, I guess, different terrains, different hills with that uh, precise distance. So I'll lock in that answer just for something different. Fair enough, fair enough. I was wondering if you go back to the half marathon again, or, you know, like I said, that's why we ask, because you never know. It, it, sometimes it changes, <laughs> sometimes it stays the same. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I heard somewhere on one of your recent podcast episodes, no races, you know, over the last couple of years. I'm assuming probably somewhat related to the pandemic. Is that is that an accurate assumption? Yeah, I think um, prior to COVID, I was doing maybe a couple of half marathons a year, definitely um, some triathlons and trail events. Um, just haven't, haven't gained the momentum. I've been busy with the book um, and, you know, races kept getting cancelled. And so I'm like, oh, let's not commit to too much and let's just love running because that's even if I don't have any races going on, my motivation for running is still sky high because I just love it. And so just continue doing that. Fair enough. Um, along those lines, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it, sometimes it feels like, oh, the, the pandemic's in the rear view, but I mean, things are still impacted. Things are still, still kind of settling into whatever this, this normal is at this point, you know, two and a half years out since, since things, at least here in the States, since things really shut down back in right about the same time we chatted in, in 2020. Um, have you missed racing at all? Or is it kind of just like, it kind of sounds like me, no big deal. Like you take it or leave it. Is that kind of your attitude towards racing these days? I do miss racing. Like there's obviously elements of racing that I absolutely miss um, and do do want to get back into it. Absolutely. It's um, something running by yourself and, you know, challenging yourself, even though I love running by myself and doing that, there's just certain elements of a run, especially trail runs. I love that, that community aspect and sort of a little bit more laid back, less competitive, less ego driven, that kind of environment. Definitely want to get back to ASAP. Yeah. Any, any plans? I mean, like, I, you know, for, forgive me for my ignorance, my, my worldly ignorance, but um, mm-hmm. what, 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 are the, what, what is the kind of the state of affairs in Australia right now? I mean, are things kind of back to normal? Races, are, are they happening regularly and you're just kind of looking for the right one? Uh, they are back to normal. And uh, I love a trail run series that we do here. There's about five races, um, but usually kicks off in winter, which uh, now we're getting into summer. So right. uh, we're waiting around for that to, to get involved. Um, but we did in the, say last year, we had ease of restrictions. We had, you know, back to races and then we closed again, then we're back to races and we closed again. So that sort of inconsistency sort of just made me a bit apprehensive to commit to something, train for something, and then it's sort of, um, not pan out. And so, um, that sort of was my hesitation. No doubt next winter, those trail runs will be consistent and be running. And so, um, looking forward to that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you, you just love, love what you get out of running, whether, you know, no, so it hasn't really been, and apologies if I'm putting words in your mouth, but kind of the way I heard it, you know, the, the lack of races, not ideal, but like, hey, we're going we're gonna to keep going. And I kind of feel the same way. Like there was a time in my, in my life where if I didn't have a race on the calendar, like I wasn't, I wasn't certainly not running much. I might, might get out for a 5K here or there, but not, not a whole lot more than that. And these days, like, eh, you know, I can go, I can go 8, 10, 12 months without a race pandemic or otherwise and really like no factor like the 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 training kind of looks the same so i guess i guess the question is and and obviously you know i'm sure you have a lot of listeners that are very much race motivated i know i have a lot of listeners that are very much race motivated but uh you know what is it about just getting out getting your you know 10 12k on the trail or, or whatever the case might be that excites you enough that not having a race on the on the horizon isn't really a factor 
Yeah, good question. Um, it's it's a bit of a combination of the fresh air, exercising that runner's high, the feeling of just being out there. We've got some pretty good wildlife here and um, parklands where you can just um, listen, watch nature and just like uh, the scenery is really nice. But it's also a bit of time where I like to listen to audiobooks, listen to podcasts, sort of absorb some of that knowledge, get some new ideas of um, future content that I want to do. Sometimes the best ideas that I have uh, when I'm out for a run, just time to myself, not in like the grind of working and um, seeing clients and calls and that sort of stuff. And yeah, just love that whole combination. Yeah, there's there's uh, something about, you know, e- even if you, you are listening to, to, like you said, whether it's podcasts, books, wh- whatever, um, I, I'm the same way. Like, like the, there's something about being out and running and, and, you know, knocking off for whatever it is, you know, 45 minutes, an hour that, uh, you know, the phone might still be there cause I'm listening to something, but it's not pinging and I'm not, I'm not distracted by it. I'm not, I'm not checking social media or, or worrying about this work thing or that, that situation. Um, and it just allows that, that brain to come up with ideas. And I don't know, I, I still need to figure out a good way to, to capture all those ideas when I'm out and about, <laughs> cause I, I don't make a voice note and I don't write anything down. So half of them I forget about before I get back home, but um, lots of good ideas on the run for, for a lot of us, I think. I think that's a common theme in a lot of runners. Yeah, for sure. There's been a couple of times when I've um, tried typing on my in my notes as I'm running and it's sort of like doesn't turn out the way I, I planned, but then I try and interpret it once I get back home, all the, the misspellings and random letters and words and that sort of stuff that are in there. Um, usually I try and be as concise as I can, and then if I can interpret it later on, then that's a bonus. <laughs> I used to I used to keep a little notepad by the bed because every once in a while like I'd wake up in the middle of the night with some crazy idea that that at least in the middle of the night seemed great and then in the morning of course inevitably couldn't could never remember what what was that idea for <laughs> for the podcast or for the email or for whatever it was and then uh, you know keeping the notepad by the bed that didn't do much good anyway because I it, like whatever I was writing down you know I'd wake up and try to write a note <laughs> and then in the morning good luck trying to interpret whatever nonsense like you said like whether it's it's shorthand or whatever there's just no I don't know. Just not a, not a good way for me to capture ideas when they come to me spur of the moment. It seems. <laughs> well, at least you try. At least Trying I try. Right. A plus yeah. for effort. <laughs> for sure. So, you know, the last, the last couple of years, you know, since, since the last time we, we chatted, lots of, of consistent running, but uh, definitely, you know, one thing that, that uh, I've noticed, and again, people that have been following along with you for a while, they've, they've noticed as well. Just, I mean, consistent content, just stuff going out, especially with the podcast. I mean, newer things coming out recently, but um you know, kind of curious and, and, and I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, but, but we'll see if it does, if it does, it does, if it doesn't, it doesn't. But, uh, you know, our first chat, you know, some four years ago, four plus years ago, something like that. Um, I don't think run smarter, the podcast has started, but you were still podcasting at that time. The, the, uh, what was it called? Everyday running legends, something like that was, was yeah. the podcast you had going on. So you've been kind of in the space for four or five years, something like that, which, um, on the one hand, maybe it doesn't seem like it's that long, but on the other hand, like in podcasting, like podcasting years are like dog years. Like, like every year in podcasting is like eight years or seven years or something like that in, in, in actual time. Um, so, you know, like, like, I, I don't know, I guess the, the question, like wh- why, why is podcasting still something that you enjoy? Like, have you, have you gotten burned out by it? I mean, I'm assuming not since you're still going as strong as ever, but, uh, you know, four or five years in, like, how, how are you, you know, enjoying the podcast still? Yeah, well, the Everyday Running Legends, it was a podcast that I just struck purely out of two passions. Passions for podcasting. I just listened to so many podcasts. I was um, like just constantly listening. So I wanted to do something myself. And two, just this passion for running. And I have a, a passion for educating runners or just educating people in general. When I was a physio working at clinics and a new physio would come in, I'd love to teach them, show them the ropes, you know, work out their weak links and I, I did, for some reason I just liked teaching 
And so that all just kind of absorbed into um, another, the Run Smarter podcast was just uh, coinciding with me sort of venturing out in my in the own world as my own um, clinic, starting to see clients, starting to see runners um, at the time, while now is just purely online physio, working with runners, and thought that the transitioning from the Everyday Running uh, Legends podcast, which was just telling like good running stories to then switching gears where I wasn't just asking questions, but telling people, educating people and um, coming up with a bit more of a precise um, aim to help, you know, because the vast majority of running related injuries are training errors, meaning if you can train smarter and know what to do when these injuries pop up, you know, you can have a very successful running career. And there are a lot of, um, I guess, misinformation or just contradictory information out there. When someone's injured, they say, no, you should rest. No, you should keep running. You should ice, rest, stretch, don't stretch. And the um, I recognize that there was a lot of that conflicting information. So switch gears, went from the Everyday Running Legends to the Run Smarter podcast, coincided with me becoming a physio for myself um, so that, you know, when runners would listen and absorb the, the content, make changes, see improvements. But if they still like battling shin splints or knee pain and they were really struggling to overcome that I wanted to be the first person they went to and ask questions to say hey I have these shin splints I've tried this I've listened to your podcast episodes still not getting anywhere what, what should we do from here and sometimes that leads to um, like attracting a client which is great so it sort of coincides really well and still have a huge passion for it 260 episodes later and yeah just interviewing health professionals, running coaches such as yourself, um, like doing solo episodes and breaking down some research papers sometimes, just really seeing what's evidence-based, what do we know, what don't we know, and coincides with most of the content that I do. Now on YouTube, now the book, it's sort of the same purpose, hence the Run Smarter titles across the board. Um, it can really enhance someone's career once they learn how to run smarter and what to do about it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. and, and um you know, I just, I just love the, the, um, the way that you're kind of going about a lot of the same content points, a lot of the same trouble spots that runners have, but coming at it from all the different angles and looking at it from different mediums. And, and obviously with, with YouTube, which we might get into, I'm sure we'll get into here in a, in a second, um, you know, being able to show things, which I know sometimes like with, with the podcast situation, at least for me, it's like trying to put words in, trying to, to, to paint the picture verbally can be can be a lot more complicated. I mean, you know, the saying "pictures worth a thousand words," and, and you you know you, you can you can demonstrate something with a with a YouTube video a lot quicker. Sometimes sometimes it makes more sense to even maybe explain it. But um, you mentioned, I think you mentioned, if I heard you correctly, that pretty much all of your your physio work now is is all online. Yeah. So I um, when I very first started, it was just before COVID, and decided to go out for myself, start doing it online. I, start, I was working part-time for myself, part-time for my old job and sort of transitioning into doing my own thing. And at that time, purely 100% online, treating runners. And after COVID, I moved house and converted my house part to a, um, an in-person sort of clinic, but then I still wanted to mainly do the online stuff. And since then, um, even just a couple of months ago, I decided that the in-person stuff, I just wasn't seeing a lot of passion, not gaining a lot of traction. It's so different to becoming recognized as like a local clinic, brick and mortar sort of stuff. It's, it's very tough to do and would take a lot of energy to get off the ground. But my online clinic has been booming and has been super easy based on the online content that I produce. And so 
um, something that I really enjoy, something that I get great results in and continue to help runners worldwide. And so made that business decision to, you know, cancel the, the in-person stuff, just full momentum, uh, full energy, full passion, just doing the online stuff. I, I wonder, um, because my, my background for just a touch of content, so we may have talked context, we may have talked about this before. My background's in athletic training. So similar, a lot, a lot of overlap between the, the physio world and the, and the athletic training world. Um, but I know in, in the athletic training world, at least at least in my day, you know, 20 years ago when I was in college, it's cough, cough, cry, cry that it was 20 years ago. But um, it, it's a very, it, it was, and I mean, it still it still really is athletic training, very hands-on type of, of field. You know, you're, you're, you're feeling things, you're doing so much work, you know, with, with the, the athlete or the patient that you're working with. Um, and, and I'm curious for you, uh, again, I'm assuming, and you know what happens when you assume, but I'm assuming that, that the, 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 your background and, and, you know, your, your education, your early years, your formative years as a physio, lots of hands-on feeling, stretching, measuring, things like that. Um, was it a somewhat, what was the transition like into online where you might still be able to see somebody cause we got a webcam, but you can't put hands on, you can't feel, feel the differences. You're maybe relying on on the person you're working with to maybe take some measurements and they may or may not be accurate. Like was it, was it a difficult transition for you or kind of how have you found that process of going from in-person to online? Yeah, I'll be honest. I was unsure of how things would go or how accurate or effective it would be. Um, but knowing the runners, most of the time, most of the clients that eventually get to me, they've been through the ringer of seeing three PTs, two osseos, one chiro, um, doctors, scans, sometimes injections, even sometimes surgery before they get to me and say, I've tried all these things. Um, and even just in general, running related injuries, if they've gone beyond, if they've had an injury beyond two months, which we know is very, very common for someone to have an injury linger, linger around for that long, um, hands-on therapy is, just isn't that warranted. Um, if anything, it's there to reduce symptoms in the short term while you work on the long-term strategies. And uh, so most of the clients that I work with um, like I say, running related injuries are due to training errors, overload, or under recovery, and we can identify that pretty quickly with a, you know, what was your training like at the time of that injury, uh, what's aggravating your symptoms, what's easing your symptoms, and then just come up with training volumes, gradually build back up. These are the rehab exercises, build back up, and then use how they respond to that particular treatment plan to predict what to do next. And I will say though, there has been a few occasions where someone's presented and we're not sure of the diagnosis, like it hasn't, it doesn't fit the pattern of a classic running related injury. And if that happens, they have the choice. I say, you can go to your local physio health professional and, um, you know, come up with a, an in-person assessment, accurate diagnosis, or we can assume that it is, say, shin splints, treat it as such. And then if in a couple of weeks it starts getting better than that, the treatment itself increases the accuracy of our hypothesis. Because oh, and if we treat it like shin splints and it doesn't get better, it increases our likelihood that it's not shin splints. And then, you know, we do other prompted investigations or take another tactic or go for an in-person assessment. And so um, where I position myself, I, like I said, when I started, I was very hesitant. Now I am super confident. Like most of the runners I see get a lot better, a lot quicker. They've been through the ringer of so many health professionals. And then we, we start working together with general basic principles of rehab and they get significantly better. So um, very confident with myself now been doing it for about three years and I'm very happy with the effectiveness, I guess. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and 
as as somebody who has has found some level of success, I don't I, you don't want to overblow things, but like in in being able to work for myself and kind of create my own little little niche in in the uh, um, in the running space, for lack of a better way of saying it, like it's it's you know it's it's a lot sometimes, but it's it's pretty awesome, and, and it sounds like you're really enjoying it, and and hopefully you know you know it it just keeps getting better, like it, it really has for me as, as much as sometimes it's still work. I mean, it is still work sometimes, but like it's it's fun work and it's work I enjoy and, and the relationships and, and of course some of those successes, whether it's, you know, for me as a coach, somebody going out and running a great race for you as a physio, I'm sure it's probably super rewarding when you've worked with somebody for a while and then all of a sudden they're, they're not all of a sudden, but because of the work you've been doing, they're back to running pain-free and working towards whatever their, their goals might be. That's, that's got to make it feel really good. For sure. Yeah. It's just the outcomes, like um, just as a health professional, like running coach and those sorts of things in general, like when you see those great outcomes, particularly when those clients have been struggling before reaching you, very, very gratifying. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier and that, you know, kind of you got all these different angles that, that are helping to educate runners, helping to, to hopefully help them help themselves, but also, you know, if they're, if they're trying things and it's not working, it, it also helps them to, to kind of maybe find you and, and reach out to you and maybe hopefully uh, get, get a, a solution to whatever's going on that, that they're dealing with. Um, but when did, when did you decide to add a book to the mix? Like, like I know that writing a book is uh, a lot of work. I think a lot of people may, might know that, like, you know, the idea of writing a book is the easy part. Sometimes the actual writing of the book isn't that difficult getting it all polished and put together and then getting it out there and getting people to, to, to find it. That's kind of a job that never ends. So when did you decide to, to undergo the, the let's write a book, uh, Sisyphean task of trying to get that, that, that boulder up the hill? Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't know how hard it would be. Um, I've been told it was tough, but just thought, you know, I'm super passionate about it. Let me just tackle it. Um, started off with well, when I very first started the Run Smarter podcast, it came with an ebook that I gave to my listeners and it had 10 universal principles to reduce their risk of injury. And though each chapter of that ebook coincided with the first 10 episodes of the podcast, 10 principles to reduce um, your likelihood of injury or overcome a current injury. And so um, the ebook was there. And when people just signed up to the podcast and said, oh, I'm a new listener, I said, go back and listen to those first 10 because they are crucial. Um, then a year went by and I thought, let me do another ebook because I was getting from my audience that they had two desires. One was to reduce their risk of injury as much as possible. They had a fear of getting injured. Um, the other was to increase their running performance, uh, like safely. That's they, they were kind of the two desires that I sort of grasped. I'm like, let me do another ebook, 10 more principles, uh, that would teach you the science around increasing your running performance safely. And then sort of another year went by and always had the idea to formulate something into a very like fully fleshed out book because I had a lot more research backed up backing these principles. I had a lot more podcast interviews that I could use as content. And I just had a lot more better ideas to sort of like, you know, tweak what I had been working on over the past several years to put into a book. And like I say, I want to reach more runners. I want to reach as many runners as possible. Not every runner listens to podcasts. Right. Not every runner would just stumble upon my podcast and put an audio book out there and a, a paperback book and an ebook and fully flesh that out. Um, fits my purpose, fits reaching other runners. And so decided to do that. And it was a grind. It was a, a big, big task, the biggest project I've ever undertaken and completed. And so 
very, very proud of how it eventually turned out. You should be. It's 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 a really good book. I've, I've uh, you, you sent over a, a PDF of it a while back, and I've been kind of digging through it, and 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 I mean, just so much good information. Um, how long how long did it take? I mean, you said it was a grind, and, and like yeah, again, I mean, I I've, I've been there once, and theoretically, I'll be there again. Um, and it's it is a it is a grind. But how long did it take you from, um, you know, when you actually kind of got working on it? So you, you had the, the ebooks and the idea and going to put it together, but like yeah. all right, we're going to sit down and do this. How long did it take? So I had the template, like you say, template was there. Um, I started off just doing some typing in my downtime. Like when I have some free time, this is what I'm going to type. Quickly realized that's not going to get the project done and um, took about, I had to start dedicating hours. I, like my calendar, I booked out hours throughout the, throughout the weeks, like four days in the week. I blocked out two to three hours so I could write. And so I was dedicating about five hours per day to the book. And that took me about 10 months, wow. which in the, from the podcast listener, they say, you got that book out really fast. Cause I was talking through it as I was going out, mentioning it here and there. And it was a blink of an eye for the, the podcast listener. But for me, it was like a steady, steady grind for a long time. Um, but like I said, very, very happy with how it turned out. Good, good. And, and, um, you know, looking, looking at the book, uh, I mean, we could, we could spend hours talking about it and, 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 uh, you know, want to hit a few high notes, but there's a lot of high notes. Um, but I, I love how you kind of have it broken up into, into two parts. Like the, the first part, um, first 10 chapters, all about kind of preventing injuries, which is, which is certainly, um, my, my fa- I don't know my favorite, one of my favorite things to talk about probably coincides a lot, like you said, with that first ebook of, of kind of 10 crucial things to, to help runners avoid injury. But one of, one of the ones that I really enjoy, one of the chapters that I enjoyed, uh, immensely, um, and, and I think, I think maybe I enjoy it because sometimes I know it's an area I struggle with and I know it's an area that a lot of runners struggle with too. So it's kind of helps me to learn a little bit more and, and hopefully maybe kind of communicate things to, to folks in my world. But, um, is a chapter on kind of detecting and managing early signs of injury. And I mean, I, I just think it's, it's, it's one of those topics that it's so tough to nail down because, you know, running, like we don't think of running as a contact sport like we might think of as, as football or rugby or hockey or, or you know, any number of things where people are just slamming into each other. Yet, you know, every time you run, you're slamming into the ground. Every time you take a step, I'm sorry, every, every stride, you're slamming into the ground with, you know, somewhere between two and four times your, 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 your body weight force or the, the, the force of your body pressing down on it. Um, and so like, you know, there's going to be some aches and pains and we've all probably been there. If we run long enough, we've all had little aches and pains and things that aren't aren't niggles and, and aren't any type of pre-warning injury sign, but sometimes there is, and we don't necessarily notice it because like, ah, you know, whatever I, I ran, I ran longer yesterday. And so, yeah, of course I'm a little bit sore today. Um, but, but I guess, I guess they know exactly what the question is, but, um, you know, for, for somebody who's, who's maybe new to running, maybe they've been running forever and, and always struggled to, to kind of figure out what some of the, the early signs of injury are because uh, long, long wind up to get here. But like, I feel like, and, and you can, agree or disagree that the earlier you recognize that something is, is, is off, the easier it tends to be to fix it. So recognizing an, a, a warning sign of injury early is, is key. How do we, how do we kind of differentiate between some regular soreness, some general soreness, a little bit of something that like, whether it's DOMS or whether it's just, Hey, you know, you, you rent for a, you know, you ran a, you ran a 50 K like you're going to be sore after that versus this is something we need to be worried about and really get on top of because this is, the beginning sign of shin splints or, or runner's knee or whatever the case might be. Yeah. 
Um, very long winter wave. <laughs> um, <I> guess, <laughs> Fair enough. Call it, call it like you see it, Brody. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, this chapter had to be in the book if we're talking about reducing risk of injury because uh, people think like, what can I do? How can I train for this race and not get injured? Um, it's reassuring when I tell people injuries are going to be a part of this sport. Like there's, you can train smart to reduce your risk of injury, but you can't get that risk of injury down to zero, especially if you are racing, if you have more athletic endeavors than what you're currently doing. If you want to push the boundaries, push the envelope, if you want to run further, faster, you're, you know, you're going to get that risk of injury above zero. It's just, we face facts. And so that whole chapter is about detecting and managing early signs. Those early signs pop up because, you know, it's, it's unrealistic to think that they're not going to pop up. And so the chapter was all around, okay, let's recognize that we can't get our risk down to zero. Let's face facts and do everything we can to reduce our risk of injury. But if these early signs pop up, exactly what we should do about it. What does, when, should something be an urgent, go get it assessed, or just, oh, let me pay attention to it because it's probably just a niggle that's just going to go away. Um, that It's something that I try to, I guess, grasp the concept to say, okay, what should we do? Um, it's, it's very tough because there's fine lines here and there about what is serious, what isn't serious. Um, we can't necessarily use pain severity because some people have these niggles like during a, a trail ultra where they have severe foot pain and then all of a sudden just goes away and then the next day they're totally fine. Like how are we going to um, separate these things? Um, so one thing that I tried to grasp with is, okay, what is the difference between like a niggle that we shouldn't really pay attention to compared to an injury that we definitely should pay attention to? And whenever you do have these early signs pop up, that might be mild soreness, that might be tightness, that might be stiffness, that might be like, um, a reduced mobility or pins and needles burning, any sort of these signs and symptoms, as soon as they pop up, take a note. Um, it doesn't have, have to be pain because if anyone's had, say, plantar fasciitis before or like a tendon injury or a tendon overload, you know, usually the first signs of that stiffness and it's usually stiffness the next morning, not necessarily during a run. And so we need to pay attention to symptoms during a particular event need to pay attention to symptoms afterwards and the next day to accurately interpret, okay, am I handling this training load or not? And once you do have these signs pop up, this like mild pain, stiffness, soreness, um, pins and needles are burning, make a note. Make a note how frequent it was, how severe it was, how long it took to settle down. And then you can start to gather a trend, a behavior of how things are responding. And if it goes away, never comes back, don't worry about it. But just have that mental note, have that tag or written down somewhere for future episodes just in case it does pop up again. Maybe it was only during fast hill runs with a certain zero drop shoe that that sort of foot pain came on. And then, you know, you sort of modify those variables and it just didn't come back. But then when you do that same hill run shoes and that pain comes back, that's something to kind of note. And so... I guess following those trends, making accurate diagnosis, and if the symptoms keep popping up, if that thing keeps happening and doesn't go away, either change something or get it assessed or, you know, increase that level of urgency, I guess I would say. Right. Um, at what point, you know, you, you talk, you, you mentioned 
looking for trends. And, and that makes all the sense in the world. Like it, it, we, we all have, at least I've had, you know, I'm not, not speak for everybody, but plenty of days where some days something's just not quite right, whether it's a foot, whether it's an ankle, whether it's a knee, whether it's a cat, like whatever, something's just some little thing. And, and, you know, it's kind of, you're, you're running and it's not really getting any, any worse. Maybe it isn't really getting much better, but it's kind of not. And then the next day it's gone, you know, and all right, whatever. No, like no, no factor. Um, but at, at what point, if, if we're keeping note of these things, um, I guess what, at what point does a trend become something to, to, to really maybe take that next step of? Like if it's, if it's, you know, if you're running five days a week, say, and it's, it's there every two weeks, like, is that a trend? Is it, is it when it's every day? Is it when it's like, like, does, does that make sense? Like what, at what point does it become a trend where we need to really pay attention to it? Yeah. And in the book, I kind of have a bit of a flow chart of how symptoms behave and whether to get it assessed or not. And it's kind of this flow chart talking about severity, talking about how long you've had it for, how disruptive it is to your training. And then, you know, you sort of follow this flow chart to say, don't get it assessed, but continue monitoring or get it assessed um, and, you know, change your management plan. And essentially we talk about that. Okay, one, is it disruptive to your training? That's probably a, a key factor. Are you hesitant to do a hill run because of soreness? Are you hesitant to run far? Are you hesitant to run fast? Are you hesitant to maybe, you know, run in your minimal shoes when before you're comfortable running in your minimal shoes? Is it disrupting your training? And how long has that, you know, persisted for? If you have mild soreness, stiffness that like a lot of runners that I talk with and a lot of my podcast listeners, they have injuries for, well, I'll say a niggle that they would call a niggle for four months. And it's in that particular zone where it hasn't got better, but hasn't got worse. And they train, hasn't got better, hasn't got worse. I would say that's definitely warranted for an assessment because the longer you've had something for, general rule of thumb, the harder it is to get rid of. And so we want to be running, uh, you know, symptom-free. That's like kind of our goal. It's not necessarily like we, we can't aim for that all the time. But if you've had something that's niggling, tightness, soreness for months on end, definitely get it checked out. And so in the flow chart, I can't actually remember the time frame, but around about four weeks, three to four weeks, if something stayed there, um, hasn't got better, hasn't got worse, either get it checked out, get it assessed, or change something in your training to see if you start getting better. Because when it comes to running related injuries, it's okay to train with a little bit of pain. There's, uh, for most running related injuries, exception to stress fractures, you know, a pain less than a four out of 10 during a run is okay, but needs to return back to baseline really quickly, less than 24 hours, but also needs to have a trend of improving week by week. If it's not improving week by week, that means your current load management is disagreeing, like the injury is disagreeing with your current training and you need to adjust something. And sometimes that needs to be that slight adjustment. If it's mild and you haven't had it for a very long time, maybe just a slight adjustment, maybe back off the speed for seven days, maybe back off the hills for five days, just a slight adjustment and that's all that's needed. But the longer you've had it for, the more serious and aggressive and severe the injury is, the more changes we need to make in your training to overcome that. Yeah, and, and I think, at least in my in my um, experience, and, and again, certainly, you know, we'd, we'd love to get your take on it too, you know, like you said, that the longer you, you take to address something, the, the, the potentially the more serious it gets, but also the longer it takes to, to resolve. Um, and I feel like we as, as runners, when we finally get around to, to seeing somebody to, to, 
admitting that this little this little ache or pain or whatever might be something more than just a little niggle. Um, we want it to be healed like that, like like one physio visit, one one time on the foam roller, one time doing yoga or stretching or whatever it is. Like, well, how come it's not better? Um, how how big of a role does patience play when when you do have one of these little niggles? that maybe you can continue to train through. Like you said, you make an adjustment, you, you pull back on maybe some of the intensity or, or whatever. Um, but, but how, how patient do we need to be in that process before we can reintroduce? Like do we need to be back to a pain level of relatively zero and the niggle is gone. Do we just need to be seeing progress before we can kind of resume training as, as was. Yeah. And this is within sort of my, um, 10 universal principles. You can find this on the first 10 episodes of my oh. podcast. It's sort of finding the balance between, um, you still want to see that improvement week by week, but the runs during the run doesn't necessarily need to be pain-free. I work with runners all the time and they come to me with an injury. What we try and say is, okay, how much running can we tolerate? How much running can you currently do where pain levels are what we call acceptable, but acceptable isn't zero. Right. It's what we, acceptable might be less than a four out of 10. And we want to pay attention to it after the next day, week by week to say, okay, it's not pain-free, but we're seeing a trend of improvement. You're running further, running faster, and your pain and symptoms are getting better week by week. And so that can be a delicate balance. And it can be something that a runner really struggles to grasp, interpret, and sort of modify their training themselves, which is why a running coach or a health professional might be really beneficial. And the amount of times I work with a client and I plan everything out to the nth degree, how far you run, how fast, how often, um, and then document symptoms and modify accordingly. And they say, it's really nice just to have this plan because it makes sense in theory, but it's really hard to practically do. But when you do practically do it, they're like, wow, I've got this plan moving forward and I've got this trend that I'm following. And you know, I can see that I'm making steady gains or I can see that I'm not making steady gains and need to change something so that I do make steady gains. Um, can be really powerful. and can. Um, I, I do agree, patience is a big key for a lot of people, you wouldn't believe, well, you probably would believe the amount of times I see people manage a long-term injury and they have two good weeks in a row and then they just run too fast, too far. They've signed up for a marathon in six weeks time. And like, you know, they find like two good weeks. They're like, yes, I'm back. And they try and make up for lost time and they just overdo it. Their injury returns. And it's only because they had a roadmap. They've thrown it out the window and they've just tried to see what they can get away with. Um, really key just to once things start improving, continue being diligent, continue being patient, follow the plan because the body's going to tell you, you need to listen to the body and um, let that be your guide. Yeah. Um, another chapter in the book and still in the, the preventing injury section that uh, I'm sure I, I, I should have gone back and totally refreshed my memory, but I'm sure we talked about this before, but it's, it's something I enjoy talking about because I think it's one of those things that for lack of a better way of saying it, sometimes runners need to be beat over the head. You hear it multiple times from multiple angles before it finally sinks in and they, they make it happen. And that is, is I'm going to assume the value, um, but uh, and I think, I think we're on the same page here, of strength training and or cross training occasionally to just try to take some of the different stress or maybe add it, maybe not necessarily take stress off, but a different stress to the body. Work the body a different way to, to, to get stronger, more resilient, still get some of the, the, the training benefits, but maybe, you know, again, working the body a different way. Um, how, how important is, is strength training and or cross training to the mix for a runner to stay healthy long-term? Let's start with cross training. I consider these two different, uh, elements. So let's yes. start with cross training. Um, cross training may or may not enhance or be beneficial for a runner. So let's go through two scenarios. 
Uh, one scenario is someone is a recreational runner, runs uh, three to four times per week, loves it, does their long run on the weekend, um, relatively fine with injuries, and then they think, you know, should I do some cross-training? They, they can do some cross-training if they enjoy it, um, but maybe won't be that crucial piece of a puzzle to enhance their recovery or reduce their risk of injury. If we go to another scenario where there's someone who loves running, does it six to seven times per week, so almost every day, maybe one rest day here or there, um, quite a high running volume, and they're getting injured, you know, three or four different injuries in the year. And like I say, most of those running injuries are overloaded injuries. It's like you described, repetitive, the same load, the same force being put through the body, the same requirements, the same demands, every time repetition, 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 and it's uh, they develop overload or overuse injuries because you're doing the same activity over and over and over again. If you recognize that as a pattern and you recognize that injuries are sort of hindering your uh, progress, you would actually benefit immensely from actually doing less running, heaven forbid, and substituting that with some sort of cross-training because cross-training is a, a cardio alternative. So you're, you're stimulating your cardiovascular system. You're going to continue getting fitter, but you're doing something different. You're reducing your risk of overload because you're not doing that overload activity as often as what you would if you were doing it, continue to do it six or seven times per week. Um, and so that could, be, that could also be someone who does it five or six times per week, but just looking at the two extremes, right. um, pulling back, doing something different like cycling or swimming or, you know, even the elliptical trainer or step master or something that is, you know, relatively different, relatively different demands and loads on the body. You then subject your body to more variety and then reducing that risk of injury. So happy to dive into strength training, but do you have any follow-ups to that? No, I mean, I think that, that makes sense. And, and I think, you know, I, I've, I've, maybe been guilty of banging the drum as uh, with, with cross, you know, talking about cross training as being a really beneficial thing. Um, but, but I think your, your two scenarios do a, do a great job of painting the, the picture of, you know, for the, the first runner who's relatively healthy and already mixing in a day or two every week of, of rest, maybe three days a week of, of rest. Um, you know, it can be fun. It can be a different way to, to get a workout, but it's probably not a game changer because you're not, you're, 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 you're not getting the specificity of training, of running when, when you're trying to measure yourself as a runner. Um, but yeah, you know, if you're injury prone, like it's, it's a great option to mix things in and hopefully help to, re- to reduce the stress. So I think, I think the way that you kind of lay that out is, is, is spot on. And, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's good, it's good training, but it's, it's maybe not always the mandatory thing that, that some people, myself included, have maybe kind of tried to make it out to be at, at, at you know, earlier in my, my career. Well, also, we, you want to enjoy your training as well. You want to enjoy what you're doing throughout the week. And I've had people be like, I hate swimming, but I've been told that I need to cross-train, so I'm doing it twice a week. And I'm like, well, you can do something else. You can do another form of cross-training that you enjoy. Um, because, like I say, we want the the enjoyment factor to be high because we want people to be fit and active and, like, happy. So it, it's it, there's a little bit of a balance. But if someone's running two to three times a week, they're not really getting overuse injuries and they want to become better better athletes and you want to um, be a better runner, you'd have to probably do some more running. That frequency would probably need to be a bit higher, but, you know, the training load, the intensity distribution, those sorts of things would, you know, we'd want to make sure that still stays in check. Um, But, yeah, so you need to pick your patient. Everyone's different, um, and that's why I sort of answer these questions with, 
you know, a couple of different scenarios, a couple of different examples, because everyone's different. The advice has to be different for different people. Yeah, absolutely. So, so strength training, uh, uh, where, where do we stand on strength training? Yeah, there's, there's sort of two different views. When it, If we come from an injury prevention side of things, then we come from a, a performance side of things. There's kind of two different answers. Um, if we look at injury prevention, what strength training can we do to reduce your risk of injury? Well, theoretically, it can do a whole lot because training errors or like, let's just say an overuse injury is your body exceeding its capacity. So every tissue, every bone, ligament, um, joint, muscle, everything has a certain limit. It has a certain capacity to withstand exercise, withstand load, withstand, like you say, that hitting the ground and absorbing that ground reaction force. And so when you train, when you run, if you do too much, if you run too fast, too far, you're exceeding that capacity or increase the likelihood of exceeding that capacity, and then it starts getting sore. But if we we can increase our capacity in two ways. One, we can just run more and adapt and run further and run faster and adapt to that if your training's um, if your training's adequate. But like we say, the more you do, increases your likelihood of an overuse injury. Mm-hmm. But if we can increase the capacity in a different way, in a different environment, under a different stimulus, then that can raise the capacity of all your tendons, your bones, your muscles, and you can withstand a greater force. Um, theoretically, I say theoretically because there's yet to be evidence, like really robust evidence, to say that strength training will reduce your risk of a running-related injury. Mm-hmm. There is really good research that strength training will reduce your risk of an overuse injury in the general population, so team sports, um, but running specific, not yet. Um, and I guess that that's based on design very, very hard to come up with a study that identifies with a really strong enough um, correlation that strength training reduces risk of injury because injury is so multifactorial. But the theory is definitely there and all the researchers, all the health professionals, the ones I follow and um, hold to really strong accounts, they all say you need to strength train to reduce your risk of injury. Um, But we can't point to any evidence yet. We've got theories, can't point to evidence. Right. Um, I'm happy to move on to performance side of things, but do you have any follow-ups to that? Well, yeah, I mean, just, just uh, I guess, a comment and, and, and leave it open to you to, to, to rebut or, or add to or whatever. But one of my things for strength training is that even if it doesn't create a, a, a you know, even if we don't have the evidence to show that it is definitely an injury, you know, risk factor reduction type of, of thing, it's not going to reduce your risk of injury. Um, I just feel like it's gonna it's good for us as humans, and anything that's good for us as humans is probably good for us as humans that also run. So like maybe that's it's overly reductionist, but I feel like you're stronger, you're fitter, you're more balanced physically in terms of physical cardio or your strength cardio, et cetera. Like I don't see a downside to adding some more strength training. And plus, like you might pick up your kids or you pick up a bag of dog food or or whatever. Like like things that that stranger things have happened than somebody getting injured because they, they picked up something heavy while they were working in the yard and like strength training might reduce the risk of that too, which dot, dot, dot keeps you healthy to continue to run. So I just feel like there's no mm. reason not to, other than we like to run and we don't, you know, we'd rather not be in the gym and lift the weights because we'd rather go out and run. Yeah, that is very, very well said. And probably something I should keep in for when I answer this question in the future, because I initially said, okay, performance and injury reduction, but agreed, like, general health, you want some muscle bulk 
Uh, you're not going to become a big gym goer and become an inefficient runner, but the really frail, skinny runners, like general health, you want some muscle bulk. And when it comes to, say, um, bone density, we care a lot about bone density. You actually don't generate a lot of bone density hitting the ground when you run. Unfortunately not. How you generate bone density is by pulling the muscles pulling on the bone in different directions. It bends and torques the, the um, bone by pulling on in a different direction, and that actually stimulates bone growth. Rather than hitting the ground the same way every time, the bones actually become really bored of that and actually don't adapt a whole lot. And so, yes, picking things up, throwing things around, doing squats, changing direction, doing something, push, pulling, all that sort of stuff actually really, really helps in more domains and for like global health in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, get into the, the performance section. And, and again, I mean, we could do, I, I, could, I could spend 15 minutes on, on every chapter, but at some point we got to wrap this thing up probably relatively soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but one of the the, the, the chapters that I that I love, um, I mean one of the topics I love, and you've got a chapter dedicated to it, is optimizing recovery. And and I think that that's an area, and maybe it's just a, a small sample size for me. But like, and by by that I mean like my n equals one. Um, I don't I don't necessarily do a, the the best job of optimizing recovery. Um, at least at least as you know, kind of some of the general rules of you know taking care of yourself, cooling down, stretching, and and. All, you know, getting enough sleep and like, you know, like I try to do all the things, but you know, if I'm honest, I, I fall short there. Um, so I guess the question, at least the leading question is, is how, how important is optimizing our recovery is, is taking that as seriously as we take our training to not only increasing performance and maybe they go hand in hand, but staying healthy, increasing performance, um, you know, getting better and however we define better as runners, like, like, like where does the recovery rate in terms of importance on that scale? Yeah, definitely. I want to dive into this and I can be concise, but I will say um, strength training for running performance just quickly. A lot of evidence to show that if you strength train and it's somewhat heavy, not body weight, but heavy sort of stuff, you're going to become a faster runner. Mm. Tons of robust evidence, even marathon distances, ultra distances, you're going to become a faster runner. So let's talk about optimizing recovery. How important is it? Your, I say like most of these running related injuries are due to overload, but it's actually the balance between load or like the balance between capacity and recovery. If you can tolerate, you don't get stronger during your exercise. If you do a fast training session, you don't get stronger because of that. You get stronger afterwards when you've reached adequate recovery. We need that training plus recovery cycle to adapt, which is really important to become a better runner. And so... It depends how hard you're training. The harder you train, the more you need to recover. So how important is it as long as that balance is maintained? Because you can do, you can run four or five times a week, really low intensity, and you don't need to recover that much. But if your volume increases, peak training loads, if you're an ultra runner, higher volumes, fast paces sometimes, um, you need to really enhance your recovery because that balance still, it still needs to balance out. Those scales still need to balance. Um, I've seen so many people start, they train for a half marathon and they say, yeah, I'm feeling pretty fresh. Like I get eight hours of rest per night. I eat pretty well, hydrate pretty well, those sorts of things. Um, and then they keep those same recovery strategies for their marathon, which is double the volume. And it gets to a certain tipping point where your recovery just doesn't match the training volume or they go from a marathon to an ultra marathon. And those eight hours that used to be good 
now requires nine or 10 hours, depending on their volumes. And so you need to listen to your, your body to see, am I showing signs of under recovery? That being, you know, is your delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS, you know, exceeding beyond two days or one or two days? Are you feeling generally fatigued? Are your energy levels relatively low? Those sorts of signs. Are you getting injured? Are you getting overuse injuries every couple of months? Like these are all signs of under recovery and we will need to pick our person. You know, sometimes recovery, people can get away with six hours of sleep. Um, but we do need to make sure that or recognize that recovery is very important for adaptation and needs to match what training volumes you're currently doing. Sleep, I have to assume, is like hands down. I mean, I, I say I assume. Like, I assume we agree that sleep is like the number one. Like, that is the, the most important thing for recovery. Is that, are we on the same page there? You could take every recovery tool you know. You could take nutrition. You could take foam rolling, stretching, uh, hot cold therapies, massage. You can take all of those recovery strategies that you know, put stack them all on top of one another, and they wouldn't reach the same benefit that a good night's sleep gets. So I've seen people wake up 45 minutes earlier to foam roll, and I say, you stay in bed, stay in bed for 45 minutes. You roll your eyes there, you're probably guilty of doing that. But um, yeah, oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sleep is very, very important. I, I, I laugh a little bit when you say that because it makes it makes total sense. And yet I think how much how much money, you know, we, I have spent on various tools, various things. Um, maybe I should have just, you know, bought a better pillow or a better mattress and <laughs> got, got more more sleep, better sleep that way. Um, but but with you know, so sleep is is again, it's it's I think it's 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 I think we all know it's the best thing. We don't necessarily always all practice it. Um, is there any uh, like you said, there's nothing else that really comes close. But what what is the best of the rest? Is it is it hydration? Is it nutrition? Is it is it various tools, techniques? Um, what, what's the best of the rest for optimizing re, uh, recovery? The best of the rest is something a little bit more vague and it's managing your stress, emotional stress. And so if a foam rolling session or a stretch or a hydrotherapy or hot cold therapy, if that relaxes you and gets you into a relaxed state, then that's going to be the next best thing. But sometimes just meditation does that. Some people aren't really stressed. Some people are carefree and don't really need all those other things. Um, so the, I guess the foam rolling, the massage doesn't really, research shows doesn't really have a lot of physical benefits. But I don't say don't do those things. I say do those things if you feel really good afterwards and if it calms you down um, to unwind. So they can have real profound benefits. But stress, stress management would be the next thing because your body, if you do a workout, if you do a, a, an exercise bout and you're stressed because you're exercising, you, you increase your heart rate, sweat, blood pressure. If you then go to work and you're stressed, you still like have the heart rate go, your blood pressure is high, you sometimes sweat, like that sort of stress, your body doesn't recognize the difference. So you can easily overload yourself and under recover if your body isn't getting that adequate state, that recovery state that it so desires to get that, um, get that cycle of train, recover, adapt. That'd be my answer. No, I, I love it. And and uh, like I said, kind of leading into the, the recovery bit, like I think it's an area that certainly me and I would imagine more than a few people um, know it's important, but sometimes our actions don't line up with, with what we what we profess to know. So an area where certainly we can, I can improve, maybe some others can as well. Um, and lots of, again, lots of areas, y'all, in this in this book of, of well worth 
well worth grabbing yourself a copy. Um, did you do the audio version, Brody? I did. I, I read it all myself. It took a very, very long time. Uh, the editing, it was worse than the actual reading it out. Uh, but I did. I read it myself. Audio book is out. Um, you can buy the book like uh, any online store. Run Smarter. Uh, Run Smarter. Author Brody Sharp. Type those in. You should find it straight away. Yeah, and we'll of course make sure to have it linked up in the in the show notes as well. Um, do you have a couple more minutes? I know we're getting we're getting to to the hour mark. Do you have a, like just a couple more minutes, or should we wrap it up right now? I have uh, thirty minutes if if oh, we, we don't need ever wanted to. <laughs> so I just want to talk about YouTube a little bit. Like again, you know, it's something that uh, um, I didn't even realize that we had both kind of. I, I guess you just started your YouTube channel about three three ish months ago. I just kind of got back into it about two and a half months ago after kind of not really posting much for two years. So basically kind of starting from scratch. So we're kind of getting back into, into YouTube's at the same time. What, what prompted you to try to dive into to video after so much audio with the podcast <laughs> and writing the book and doing all that thing? Like, like why, why branch into YouTube as well? Yeah. Uh, like I say, for the book, I just want to reach as many runners as possible. I want to educate, empower, um, get people training with confidence. And my goal was to, once the book was done, Let's focus on YouTube. And so I was doing two podcast episodes per week on the Run Smarter podcast. I dropped that to once a week just to dedicate a bit more time to YouTube and uh, just did it to reach more people. But also, like you said earlier, just to demonstrate things rather than verbally trying to cue this is what you should do. Now showing people, visually showing people what you should do and communicating that in a, a different way, different sort of medium. Because um, like I said at the start, I love teaching. I love helping people. I love showing um, what they should do or this is what the research shows and um, yeah, demonstrating things. It's just another, uh, I'm super passionate right now. I didn't know I'd love YouTube so much. And so really diving into it, having a lot of fun and yeah, like I say, just reaching another, another audience. Yeah. What, what do you, what are you loving most about YouTube? Um, it's all kind of, I think like the, just seeing the final product and seeing what it could do for runners. I think every little segment of it. So I write out what I want to say on the, on the video. I then film it. I then edit it. Um, I guess every step along the way is like, I'm getting really passionate. Let me communicate it this way. Let me film it this way. Let me edit it this way. And then um, seeing the, the views and the reactions and the comments afterwards, like every single process is just really fascinating. Um, time consuming, I'll, I must admit, but uh, really rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I feel like this with the podcast too, but um, I feel for myself that between the podcast, YouTube, like, hopefully those are mostly relatively evergreen topics. So they might take a lot of time to put into time and effort and sometimes learning curves and things like that. But with a little luck, you know, somebody might stumble upon, you know, the first 10 episodes of run smarter and, and hear the, you know, the 10 principles for runners, you know, three years from now, and you recorded that three or two or three years ago, and it's still just as relevant then as it was as it, now as it was then. And I feel like the same way with, with YouTube versus sometimes I, I, I don't know, I, maybe I'm just old and, and I'm curmudgeon and, you know, whatever. But like with social media, it's like you spend so much time on this, that, and the other, and it disappears, you know, after, feels like after 10 minutes, but certainly after 24, 48 hours, like it's gone, never to be seen from again. Um, and that's why I just like, I, you know, the work you're doing and the, the effort you're putting into the book and the YouTube videos and the, the podcast, like, I mean, not only is it good information, but it's good information. It's timeless, relatively timeless. Like, you know, we might learn some new things, but like relatively timeless and just, you know, continue to help people now five years from now 10 years from now and and i just love it so keep up the great work my friend thank you very much yeah um i've been looking at youtube case studies and showing like you know mate put a lot of work into this video 
didn't take off for like four months and then all of a sudden it just rocketed to the moon. And so, yeah, it's very, very different because I've seen already in like the 20 videos that I've made, um, the viewers fluctuate wildly, whereas on a podcast, like it's consistent. Like the, the amount of viewers that you get is the same. You, you never get like a huge spike in uh, listeners on one episode. Um, so YouTube, definitely very different, but fascinating. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's let's get you out of here. I kept you a little bit longer than than anticipated. I could have kept you two or three more hours, but uh, you know, I I, I want to make sure that you don't hate me enough that you might want to do this again sometime or <laughs> do it on your show or both or whatever. Um, but uh, philosophical question, kind of the, the closing question, um, something different. And, and I'm actually going off my my normal script. If I got you know five or six questions that I usually kind of rotate between, but um, you've kind of built this brand about run smarter. You know, you got the run smarter book, you got the run smarter YouTube, you got the run smarter podcast, the run smarter community, run, run smarter scholars. You, you, everything's run smarter, um, which is awesome. It makes it easy to find, which is, which is brilliant from a marketing perspective. But I'm curious to, to, for you, what does, what does it mean to, to be a runner who is running smarter? What does run smarter mean? What, what do you hope that communicates to the running community who stumbles upon your, your brand for the first time? Yeah, I'm glad you asked this question. I've got I've got a nice answer. So running smarter, like we said, we can't get our risk of injury down to zero. But running smarter would be doing everything you can to reduce your risk. But when injuries pop up, knowing exactly what to do to negotiate it, overcome it without losing fitness. You overcome it swiftly enough that you don't have to take a significant downtime. You don't have to sacrifice losing your fitness. And then you're back to training. You've learned that lesson. And then you continue to bigger and better endeavors. So that is essentially the essence of what I want my Run Smarter Scholars to do and uh, how I should sort of behave as well because if we do that sensibly enough, um, that's that's definitely achievable, but you need the knowledge. And so that's why all that content's out there. Mm, love it. And y'all, we, we all want to be, I think, we all want to be runners for a long time and that requires being smarter. So check out uh, Brody's materials, his all his content, all his information, get the book, runsmarter.online at runsmarter series on Instagram at runsmarter with Brody Sharp on the YouTube. And again, the book is titled Run Smarter. And if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, do yourself a favor, wherever you're listening right now, just do, go ahead. You can, you can kill the episode now if you want to, or you can listen to the, the last, you might take away all that kind of nonsense at the end, but make sure you go over to, you search up for Run Smarter, um, wherever you're listening, hit that subscribe button. You will not regret it at all. In fact, you'll learn a few things and you'll be glad that you've been uh, following along with Brody into the future. So, Brody, thanks for, uh, for coming back. Thanks for, for writing such a great book that's, that really is, I think, uh, a great resource for your community, hopefully for my community. Hopefully they'll, they'll dive into it and get a copy and, and, and check it out. Um, but just, again, thanks for all the work you're doing within the, the broader running community to help educate all of us. Um, keep up the great work, and, and hopefully somewhere down the line um, we'll do this again, all right? Always a pleasure. Thanks, Danny. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Brody and myself. And as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was your uh, little takeaway du jour? Du jour. Um, for me, you know, it's, it's one thing that I don't know that we explicitly talked about, but I feel like it kind of came through from, from the episode or, or maybe it's, it's more from kind of, you know, continuing to, to listen and learn from Brody, you know, via his podcast and the book, um, and now his YouTube channel, um, kind of over the years. And it's, it's just the reminder that when it comes to science, you know, when it comes to, to human science, exercise science, f- physiology, things like that. Um, but any, any branch of science, if we really want to be honest with ourselves, um, 
you know, th- things that we think we know, they're, they're not necessarily written in stone. They can change over time. And that's, that's the beauty of science. That's, that's how science works. You know, we, we, we know what we know until we know something new, till there's a different breakthrough, a different line of, of, you know, testing or ways to, to, to analyze and observe. And that maybe changes how we move forward. And with that, I guess, I guess my takeaway from today is just that reminder to not, to not be set in my ways, my, my old man curmudgeon ways. Um, because you know, we're continuing to learn and, and Brody does a great job. And, and again, some of it came through today in the episode, but I think maybe this is, this takeaway is tinged from just listening to his podcast again and, and just continuing to, to let him be someone who helps teach me, but he's so focused on, on the new research and cutting edge and staying on top of everything, which is fantastic. Something I should do a better job of myself, but you know, just, just the way that he's challenged me over the last, you know, five, four or five years since we kind of came in contact with, with each other the first time. Um, and, and how he's helped me better understand things because the science has, has evolved. It's grown. It's, it's, we've learned. And I, I think that's just, just something that all of us maybe could do a better job of, of appreciating that just because it's something, you know, what something is working for us today or, or one training philosophy or one dietary plan, um, one strength training protocol, like whatever it is, whatever the things we're doing are today, maybe they work. And maybe there's, there's lots of, of solid foundation and solid reason to do what we're doing, but don't be afraid. Don't hesitate to at least be open to the idea that maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, next month, next year, something could come along that would be better. Something that could come along that would maybe say, hey, you know what you're doing? Maybe it's working, but but this is actually more likely to work. Or maybe what's working for you now is working in spite of of you, not because of you. You know, and, and maybe there's there's not only is there a better way, but that way is is no longer good. No longer the, the right way. And and I know that's a little bit vague, and maybe that doesn't make any sense, but there's there's so many things over the course of um, you know, my 22 years now in, in the athletic training, the sports medicine world, where it's like the things that we did when I was in college 20 years ago, 22 years ago, um, not only are they not the best practice anymore, but they're kind of frowned upon in terms of injury management, in terms of recovery, in terms of prevention. And, you know, I mean, things that I was grilled on that I, that I would have sworn up and down in different classes back in the day. It's not the, it's not how it works anymore. Not because that's how it worked before and our bodies have somehow changed, but just because we've, we've learned, we've evolved, we've grown. And so again, you know, somewhere in all that is my takeaway to just remind myself to not get set in my ways, to always be looking for what's, what the new research says, what the current research says. And if it's different than the old research, it doesn't mean that either of them were bad, were bad. Either of them were wrong. We just know more today than we did yesterday last week, last month, last year. So I don't know if that made any sense to you. I don't know that it needs to make any sense to you. It's my takeaway, not your takeaway. Maybe it's your takeaway as well. Um, but that's what really stood out to me from this, this episode. It's just the reminder that it's okay to, to change your mind. It's okay for the research to change its mind. Um, cause it's not changing its mind. It's just developing. It's evolving. And that's ultimately how we grow and how we, how we hopefully as a medical field, as a coaching field, as a whatever field, if it's related to science, hopefully that's how we get better with time. 
So that's my takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? If you're willing to share it, I would love to hear it. You can always shoot me a message, tag me in a post uh, at, on, on, what am I trying to say here? On Instagram, on Twitter, same handle, both places. You know that by now, at DizRuns. You can also shoot me an email, DizRuns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today, which you can get to by pointing your browser to DizRuns.com slash 1102. DizRuns.com slash 1102. A couple of photos. Of course, we got links. Links back to the, the first two episodes with Brody. Um, and all the links from that we talked about today, get the book, YouTube channel, all those types of things. And of course, there's that comment section down at the bottom of the page, uh, disruns.com slash 1102 for all your thoughts and feedbacks from today's episode. One more reminder as well as we're wrapping up for today. Thanks to Amino Co for sponsoring today's episode. And we do have that Black Friday pricing on sale from starting now, starting today, today through Friday, kind of a little bit timely. Uh, and the way to get that that discount to save yourself 40% instead of uh, the standard 30% that comes with my discount code is to point your browser to aminoco.com slash disruns. Use the code disruns at checkout and that will automatically apply the 40% discount code if you're checking out between the time you're listening to this and midnight on Friday the 25th of November 2000. And 22, a little bit of a timely plug today. If you're listening to us outside of that window, it's the same code. You'll only get 30% instead of 40%. Uh, but if you're if you're in the market and you want to jump on that Black Friday sale a little bit early, aminoco.com slash disruns. Use the code disruns at checkout to save yourself 40% on whatever it is that, uh, that you find you need. All of the things that you need. Perform, heal, cleanse, all of them. Thanks to Amino Co. for sponsoring today's episode. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, y'all. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Thanks for taking Brody and I with you today. And until next time, y'all, be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Later, y'all.